Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. A lot of news here over the last 24 hours or so. I think the big shocker for me and for all of us was uh, last night in the middle of our Jeffersonville New Albany high school baseball broadcast last night, which uh, was a great game. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Uh, Jay Wright of Villanova reports began to surface that he would Uh, effectively retire immediately from the Villanova coaching spot, coaching position. And, uh, you know, he's built the the, uh, uh, Nova program into a blue blood. I don't think there's any argument about that. But to see him exit the college basketball landscape, uh, knowing that just about a month ago or less, we saw Coach K at Duke, and uh, Coach uh, Wright at Villanova coached their last college games in that Final Four. Then you think about Roy Williams getting out a year earlier. Uh, This is really a changing of the guard, I think, in the world of college basketball. And this happened, you know, maybe back in the 90s with Knight and Dean Smith and a few others. But And there are still some big names, some legendary names that are veterans in college basketball. But I do find it very interesting. Coach K, I know he's had some health issues. He doesn't seem to get around as well as what he used to. But Jay Wright, 60 years old, uh, from what we know, healthy, you do wonder with all the changing stuff we talk about every day now that just a couple years ago would never have really been thought of, the transfer portal and all the work that that has created with roster management and uh, unknowns uh, at the conclusion of each season, just completely changing uh, college basketball the transfer portal has. Then you add on the name, image, and likeness stuff. Uh, you wonder about a guy like uh, Jay Wright, unless there's an unknown health condition, which I don't think so, I hope not, Uh, 60 years old, healthy, at the top of his game, Final Four team this past season, has won a couple national championships at Villanova. Uh, He's uh, regarded as now with Coach K out, uh, one of the leaders of college basketball. He was already in that role. Uh, even with Coach K still there, and uh, has a team coming back next season that, I don't know, top 15 team probably, and most of the preseason polls that are out there, a good recruiting class, the future looks bright for the Villanova program. You wonder what makes him at 60 years old when this is a sport that it's not been odd to see people go well into their 70s uh, leading college basketball programs, you wonder, was any of this new stuff, some of this stuff that sounds a little crazy right now, players getting money, the recruiting world has changed, transfer portal has completely 
uh, reshaped, I think, and we'll see that a few years down the road, college hoops. You, you just wonder. We'll probably never know his going away, his retirement statement last night was very vague in general and all the things that you would expect it to be. And it sounds like maybe he'll still be involved or around the university in some form or fashion, but I really think you got to wonder Uh, Are we going to see people get out sooner and earlier and maybe not have as long of tenures as what they uh, used to have or currently have in college basketball? And last night after this uh, breaking news, I read it. I think it was Gary Parrish of CBS Sports, who also is a Memphis Memphis, uh, sports radio guy. Uh, He had a story that was interesting. You know, the college basketball world, even at the mid-major level in a lot of cases, these guys make a lot of money, and you could argue, you know, rightfully so, with the stresses and the responsibilities and the pressures to have success that they have on them. But with all the changing rules and portal and NIL and just how the whole system seems to be reshaping here lately, you wonder, will guys go to their mid-60s and 70s on a regular basis anymore, or will guys make all the money they need to make maybe in their upper 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and you know retire out earlier and get into something else earlier and get away from the stresses. Uh, can you imagine the stress of running a college basketball program today? Uh, so just interesting. Uh, I've always admired from a distance Jay Wright at Villanova. I've always admired his program. Obviously, we've had a chance to see them on the – national stage here a lot in recent seasons, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. And with Coach K out and Roy Williams out a year ago, I thought, you know, he's he's one of the guys in college basketball. He's kind of one of the leaders, him and Bill Self. And I know there's a lot of dislike and discontentment about Bill Self with NCAA problems and and so forth over the years, but he's obviously a great coach. But I put Coach Wright as a guy that's had a clean record, um, a lot of success. He, he handles himself with class. And so to see him depart the college game uh, in the same season and really the same few seasons as some other big names, I think really a big blow to the sport. And it makes you wonder, a guy like Mike Woodson that uh, it seems to have other investments and properties in Bloomington and obviously has made money as a player and an NBA lifer, basically as a coach. He's been around the league uh, since his days in Bloomington as a player. What's his motivation to do this? And how long, even if he has all the success that he possibly can, how long will he do a job like the Indiana job with all the the, press, the stresses and pressure that come with it? So uh, just surprising news last night with uh, Jay Wright of Villanova. That one really caught me, and I think the rest of the college basketball world of media and fans, I think it caught us all by surprise last night. But Going to be interesting to see that the guard is definitely changing. Uh, There's no question the game and some of the things surrounding it uh, are definitely changing, and I think that case could be argued in a lot of points, a lot of areas of sports in our world. We're just in a changing time right now. I think we'll look back at COVID and post-COVID time and uh, just see a real shift in, in paradigms and a lot of things in our world. But Jay Wright, Retiring at Villanova, that's big news. Uh, we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about. Rob Finnessy uh, chose a school last night. We'll tell you about that. Uh, we have the new Albany-Jeff game to recap as well. We'll do that here in just a few moments. Let's get into the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we'll have some headlines, some news of the day coming up here in just a moment.
As I mentioned, later in the show, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is with me. And I think IU fans should still be on a high. I mean, a lot of good news here in the offseason. Kind of reminiscent of last year after Coach Woodson took over. A lot of key players are back. Uh, there's a hope, a thought that Trace Jackson Davis will possibly come back after an NBA testing of the waters. And, of course, the biggest news recently has been Malik Renault uh, committing to the program earlier this week, a top 30 uh, member of the 2022 class. He's come in to Indiana uh, with a lot of praise about his ability and what he can contribute at the uh, Big Ten level, even in his first season as a freshman, uh, if called upon. So we'll get Alex's thoughts on that and just so many other off-season things to get to that we'll catch up with Alex on a number of things. And, of course, getting ready for another live weekend for coaches to get back out on the road, uh, their second and final viewing period of the spring. There'll be some stuff in June and July they can hit out uh, on the road uh, later this summer. But uh, two weekends in the spring, which, you know, it was one, and then during COVID it was none uh, because things were at a standstill. But I think two is very fair in the spring. You know, just think IU, for example, the number of names now in the 2024 and 2025 classes that we're beginning to hear about that have IU interest or even scholarship offers it's important to not forget about the high school recruiting situation. With all the effort that goes into the portal these days, uh, high school recruits have suffered. Those opportunities have really uh, shortened and not as plentiful as what they were. Uh, so we'll talk some about that with Alex a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And uh, let's get into our headlines for today. A number of things that I want to cover here in this opening segment, in addition to uh, Jay Wright calling it quits, retiring at Villanova. Uh, Big Ten news, uh, I, I find this interesting. Uh, the Big Ten basketball tournament, they released some of the future dates for the men's and the women's tournaments yesterday. And a uh, little bit of a surprise, the Big Ten men's tournament has been in Indianapolis since 2020. It's going to go back to the United Center in 2023. So I love the idea of a Indianapolis-Chicago rotation for the Big Ten tournament. It seems like occasionally uh, we're going to see it go up east, which I don't know that that makes a lot of sense for the heart of the Big Ten, for the footprint really of the Big Ten over the years, but whatever. If that's something the conference fills every so many years, they've got to go up east somewhere for the conference tournament, so be it. But a little surprise yesterday that after returning to the United Center in 2023, the Target Center in Minneapolis is going to host the Big Ten men's tournament in 2024. So, again, Minnesota, uh, you know, that's Big Ten heartland, I guess you could say as well. But I just like maybe it's selfish because it's close, although I never have been, never really go to the Big Ten tournaments. Um, I hate to see it not be in Indianapolis or Chicago. I think that just makes a lot of sense 
for the Big Ten. So surprised by that announcement yesterday, the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament, it's been in Indianapolis every year since 2015. It's going to go to Minneapolis next year, a, a year earlier in 2023. So uh, some surprise there. Good news for the Midwest and the state of Indiana. The Big Ten football championship game is going to remain in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium through the 23-24 season. Uh, so Indiana's capital uh, has remained the host site of the big conference championship game since it was introduced back in the 10-11, the 2010-11 season. So uh, good news for football as far as the Big Ten's concerned here locally for us, uh, but not good news for basketball. And really uh, surprised to see the men's and the women's go to uh, the Target Center up in Minneapolis. But obviously we thought we had a rotation of uh, Indianapolis, Chicago, and then every so many years up east maybe moving around a little bit more than that. So going to be interesting to see in future years uh, what happens with uh, the Big Ten tournaments. Also, high school baseball last night. It was great to be at the ballpark. It was actually outside of a couple scrimmage games earlier that I went just to kind of research and interview and, and get ahead of the season. It was the first regular season game that I had been at, and it was definitely the first broadcast of the season uh, that we've had this year. And it was a big one, Jeffersonville and New Albany. Uh, Jeff uh, got up one nothing top of the first. New Albany answered right back 3-1. They led going into the second inning. You thought this was going to be a back-and-forth game. Two teams with very even records. Jeff was 6-4. and four. Heading into the game last night, New Albany was 5-4 and four going into things last night. But after New Albany had a good bottom of the first inning, uh, that was it. No more hits. Three runs, three hits for the entirety uh, for New Albany as Jeff would go on to win it 6-3 uh, in the uh, rivalry contest, at least the regular season meeting. They could play again in the Hoosier Hills Conference uh, tournament, and they could also meet, of course, in the 4A baseball sectional, which will be played at Jennings County later this year. Chate Amick of Jeffersonville, he pitched a great game, almost went the distance for Jeffersonville, but he was really, really good, and especially in the middle and late part of the game before he was removed there. Logan Bingham, Bingham came in to replace him in the final inning plus. Uh, but uh, Amick was really good for Jeff uh, throughout the contest last night. Also good was uh, 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 the, Jeff uh, the Jeffersonville player, the Georgia commit, uh, Brett Denby. He had a two-run homer uh, that helped push Jeffersonville's lead out to the final margin of 6-3, to three. but he was really good last night. And if Jeffersonville can – they've got the pitching and their fielding is great – if they can get their bats going. And last night they had 10 hits, which is a unusual stat, unusual in the box score to see that by this Jeff team. And it's been that way the last few seasons. Hitting has been a, really a concern for Jeff. But if they can get their bats going and build that momentum as the season unwinds, uh, this Jeff team could be the local team, I think, that we're talking about uh, with a real chance to win the sectional and make some noise in the tournament. But a big win for Jeff last night. Those teams both are competitors in the conference, I think, for the championship uh, based on pitching and who they've got on the mound each respective night. And both of those teams, I think, could compete and, and win the 4A sectional. But Jeff, if they can get their bats rolling, adds a whole nother uh, repertoire to their uh, a, a game and to their offensive attack. 
also, uh, one other note, I wanted to mention this. Um, you know, Chad Gilbert and I spoke about this earlier in the week and then last night with P.K. Falkenstein uh, on the uh, high school broadcast with me. We gave a little tribute, but we try to recognize some of the great people uh, in our sports community that we've lost, and we have lost a number of them here in recent years, whether it's radio people, whether it's important people at our local schools that have done so much over the years. And, and one uh, gentleman that we lost here recently, Art Hare, uh, Arthur Hare, Mr. Hare, Coach Hare, as a lot of people in Jeffersonville would remember him, a teacher uh, at the Jeff Middle School. In fact, back in the day, it was just one middle school, Parkview. Coached a lot of the middle school teams there, basketball and football, really had things rolling, a lot of success, uh, feeding a lot of great players to the Jeffersonville High School programs over the years. But he passed away late last week at the age of 78, even after retirement. It was hard to go to a Jeff game, a basketball or a, a baseball game, that he wasn't involved in some way uh, on the press table or in the press box. Just a very welcoming face, someone that uh, very knowledgeable about Jeffersonville Athletics. And it was clear his passion and commitment to that school and its sports and the Jeffersonville community. So uh, Coach Hare, Mr. Hare, Art Hare, just another uh, really a legendary kind of figure in our area that uh, uh, has done so much for sports and our communities locally uh, that we've lost here recently. So our thoughts and prayers to his family. I know his showing is later today in Jeffersonville. Funeral is set for tomorrow. But just another tribute to a great guy that you get to know through all this stuff along the way, Art Hare, who passed away late last week at the age of 78. We'll head to a commercial break and come back with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. We've got to get into uh, some IU stuff. There's lots to talk about. And I didn't even bring up Robert Fennessy. He committed to Cincinnati last night, so we'll chat with Alex about that as well. Stay with us. The Hoosier Report continues with Alex Bozich, and the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Back with more after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back, and don't forget you can send in questions and comments on the Thornton's text line. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, insidethehall.com, at Inside the Hall on Twitter, is with us now to talk some IU basketball. But, Alex, first I want to start with the surprising news that broke across college hoops last night. Jay Wright, who has turned Villanova into a blue blood, uh, retiring early, I think you could say at the age of 60. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that, but when you step back and look at it, and it's obviously a changing landscape out there, and 
for a guy that's already won two national championships, 60 years old, which isn't old by any any means, but he's done it for a long time. Maybe he uh, evaluated everything and decided it was time for him to to do something else, move on to the next chapter in his uh, life. And I'm sure he'll still be around his Villanova program. It sounds like he's very uh, involved, not just with the basketball program there, but with the university as well. So I I think it's a, you know, kind of a sad thing for college basketball because I always felt like Jay Wright was one of the guys who did things the right way, uh, produced a lot of really talented players that have gone on to to, uh, NBA careers and successful at that level. But, you know, he he developed a lot of players. Uh, You know, you never really saw his players getting in trouble off the court, I think in many ways one ran one of the, the better programs uh, in all of college basketball for a sustained period of time. So, uh, you know, it's going to be big shoes there uh, to fill. Um, and it's definitely a loss for college basketball, but good for him. Uh, you know, I, I look at somebody like Jim Beheim, who seems like now he's just going to coach until he can no longer do anything else, which, uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said, I think, for calling it quits at a, at a reasonable age and going out and enjoying your life and, and doing some other things maybe that interest you. He's got, he's made enough money uh, that he's, he can basically uh, do whatever uh, he wants at this point. So good for him. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest talking about Jay Wright's uh, retirement. Uh, I, I know we may never know because coach Wright's statement that he put out last night, I'm sure he's going to be asked about this. I'm not sure he'll ever give in or say anything, but um, you have to wonder, retiring at 60, these guys at the highest level of college hoops, they make a lot of money, and a lot of them are set for life long before they get to 60 years old. With NIL and the transfer portal and just all the changes right now in our world and college sports, I've got to wonder, will we see Coach K's at 70 years old, uh, Roy Williams uh, type people at 70 years old on a regular basis, or with the landscape changing, will these guys make their money, try to have success and win championships, and get out and do something else at a much earlier age? It'll definitely be interesting. It's, uh, you can, I guess, debate whether or not the changes are positive for college basketball or not, but the reality is uh, the changes have been made uh, and they're not going to be reverted back. And it's a, it's a brand new world out there. And it's um, in many ways, it's created more work for college coaches because you don't just have to recruit players now to come to your program. You have to recruit them to stay each year. Um, you know, you're not just worried about guys leaving for the NBA. You're, you're worried about guys that, you know, you, you recruited for a long period of time and maybe that things didn't go as well in that first year. And typically that'd be a guy that would come back and, and put in the work and develop over the next couple of years. But, you know, now other schools can say, hey, we'll come here and we'll, uh, you know, you played 12 minutes a game there at Villanova as a freshman, but you come here to Butler, let's say, you're going to play 25 minutes this year. You know, that, that's the kind of stuff they have to deal with. And, uh, I mean, I'm not. I don't feel sorry for the college coaches in any way because they've had all the power for a long time, and I think the the balance of power in many ways is now kind of being shifted more towards the players, and and they're they're going to be able to capitalize off of things. But 
yeah, I mean, if you're if you're an older guy and you've been in the game for a long time and worked your way up the ranks, and now you're kind of towards the end of your career and you've done a lot of things and accomplished a lot, I mean, certainly you could say, do I need this aggravation anymore? Do I really want to do this? Like right now, coaches are um, getting ready to go out for the second April evaluation period in many cases. The NBA draft deadline's coming up, uh, I think, April 24th. Uh, you've got guys that could be going to the combine. You've got guys that could be still going into the portal. You're trying to get your uh, your 2022 20, kids are going to be coming on campus in June, so you got to be preparing for that. And then you got to also worry about recruiting for 2023, 24, and beyond. It's a lot to to deal with uh, in a short period of time, and it's it's more than what it was in the past. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be certain – guys that, that probably do do something similar to this and, and say, uh, I've, I've kind of run my race. I've done what I needed to do. I've made my money. I can go enjoy my life. And there's other, probably some that are addicted to work and, and love it and embrace the challenge and stick around. I don't think it's going to be necessarily the end of it. I mean, Jim Laranega is still going strong at Miami. He just made a deep tournament run. As I mentioned, Jim Beheim's still going at Syracuse. Rick Pitino's, you know, obviously, been at a bunch of different stops, but he's still coaching at Iona because he, he loves to coach. So you have those guys that, that love being in it, but um, I think for a guy like Jay Wright, I mean, he can go work in TV and make a lot of money and not have the demands that he had uh, running a program like Villanova. So to me, uh, you know, I think every person has to make their own decisions, but I, you know, I, I don't begrudge him in any way for making this one. I think it's probably going to be for work-life balance, probably a, a huge improvement on his life moving forward. Yeah, no question. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Let's get into some IU and IU-related stuff. First, I want to cover Rob Fennessy. He announced last night he's going to transfer to Cincinnati. That's going to be his new home. Uh, Mike Roberts was an IU connection there that he was familiar with. Uh, Coach Roberts, an assistant at Cincinnati. He was an assistant at one time during Rob's career uh, at Indiana as well. Is that a good fit for Rob? I would have to think that it is. He's played a lot of minutes at Indiana in his time and at times hit some big shots and had some big moments. And I'm not sure uh, I see any issue with him doing the same at Cincinnati. No, I mean, I think from an Indiana perspective you're an IU fan you didn't want to see him probably go within the Big Ten so he's staying relatively close to home he's going to you know a major college program that has a pretty good following there's an IU tie-in there as you mentioned with Mike Roberts being there and um, you know I think it's probably a pretty good opportunity he's going to be a a one-year player there Uh, I don't know their roster in and out but I I know somebody who's a, a Cincinnati fan that messaged me last night and, and kind of said, you know, they, they needed help at point guard. And so I think it's for him a, an opportunity to to go in and, and have a role. It didn't seem like at Indiana moving forward uh, that he was going to have much of a role uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, who they were recruiting, uh, his lack of availability at times due to injury. So it was probably good for him to get a fresh start. I, I, I think the thing I hope for him is that he's just able to stay healthy and, and be on the court um that's really been uh what's held his career back in many ways i mean he's had a solid career i think probably a little less productive overall than what most people thought it would be after his freshman year 
uh, him playing with Romeo. I think there was a lot of positive things that he was able to do that year. Um, and then really just never was able to put it together consistently. And uh, so good for him to get a fresh start. I think Wes Miller is uh, a very player-friendly coach, uh, somebody that, that that guys like to, to play for. And Mike Roberts, I know, is a good guy and had, probably had a pretty strong relationship with Rob. So he's going somewhere where he's comfortable, going to get a chance to play on a team that should be competitive. And hopefully he goes out and, and has some success. I know he's a guy that Indiana fans will be rooting for next year. And if they get a chance to watch him at all, they'll do that. Alex Bozich inside the hall. My guest, another uh, IU guy that's in the portal that I really haven't heard much about since he entered the portal is Christian Lander. Um, I think he left Indiana with hopes he would play at another high major program, but I think I've seen Western Kentucky mention interested in him, maybe even Rick Pitino's team at Iona. Uh, but have you heard or seen anything out there on Lander and maybe where he could land in college basketball next season? I just saw that he visited Iona. That was all I saw kind of on his Instagram. So I, I hadn't heard Western Kentucky, uh, although I haven't necessarily followed it all that closely. Um, you know, going back to last year when he entered the portal last spring, you know, I, I checked in with some people uh, that are pretty familiar with this situation and just kind of asked them, what the market was for him last last spring when he entered the portal. And to my knowledge, there, there weren't a lot of schools that, that wanted uh, him, uh, that at least ones that, where he would consider going. And uh, I don't know if that's the case again this uh, spring. Uh, as I said, I haven't followed it too closely, but it seems to me that he's going to have to at least jump down a little bit. I mean, to me, you know, going to a school like Western Kentucky is, is obviously moving down a little bit. Uh, that that could be uh, the type of school, type of level conference that makes sense for him. I just don't see, based on what he's proven to this point, there's enough film on him out there and there's enough that you can talk to people and, and say that he wasn't really prepared to play at the level uh, of the Big Ten. So, you know, maybe another Power 5 school that, that's kind of at the bottom of their conference or looking for – talent that they feel like they can pull something out of him would take a chance there but I I think for him it's probably best that he goes down uh, a little bit to you know mid-major level and and finds a place where he's going to get a chance to play and develop the thing with him is he just never got on the court enough to get the experience that he needed and he he needs to get stronger Uh, he's still young I still think he could turn things around have a productive career but based on where he was ranked coming out of high school to where he is now, you know, like two years ago at this time, Matt, there was actually like a sportsillustrated.com mock draft for, I think it was the 2021 NBA draft, and they had Lander listed. And to think about where he was regarded and people were talking about him coming out of high school to where he is now, uh, it's it's a pretty stunning uh, fall uh, in terms of, uh, you know, where he was ranked for what he's actually produced. So for him, I hope that he's able uh, to turn it around and, and turn himself into a productive college player somewhere. Yeah, and two two more quick things on Lander. There's lots of other IU stuff I want to get to with you, but um, I, I hope for his sake that he does go to Iona or Western Kentucky or is willing, I guess, maybe to drop down a bit in level. Often I think players get stuck that they're only going to play at a certain level and maybe you go somewhere else and it doesn't work out as well. But 
I can see him uh, getting a lot of additional opportunities and and maybe having a nice career at just a tad lower level than the Big Ten. That's my first thought. My second thought is um, I remember the NBA mock draft that he was listed. I was surprised. I don't consider myself to be someone that uh, knows enough to project uh, players out professionally, but I'll tell you a lot of people that weren't surprised about Christian's lack of success at IU and and uh, maybe that, that NBA dream isn't there right now are high school basketball fans in our area. When he came to play at New Albany or some of our other local teams with Evansville Wrights, he never had the big numbers, the big games maybe that he did against other people for whatever reason. Maybe we had good teams, good coaches, good defenses against him. I, I'm not sure. But against New Albany and Floyd, I don't ever remember those big outputs uh, with uh, the gym full at New Albany especially uh, that would have kind of cemented his uh, high school legacy here. But just two other quick thoughts on Land are going to be real interesting to see where he goes and what kind of opportunity he has and what he does with that opportunity. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I remember because that final year of Romeo's career, I went to a ton of those games. Uh, something like 15 of, the, of those games almost felt like I was a New Albany beat writer and not an IU beat writer, but that's how big the Romeo story was. But I remember Evansville Wrights came in and played at the doghouse, and Lander was there. He was a freshman. I don't think he scored a point. And uh, I remember he was already being talked about as one of the top freshmen in the state. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, there's probably some talent in there, but the fact that he came in and I don't think scored a point as a freshman, well, that was a really good New Albany team, and he was going up against, uh, you know, guys like Sean East and Romeo, which, you know, obviously are, are really good uh, to great high school players. But, it, you know, for him not to score at all, and then, uh, you know, I kind of agree with you. When I saw him throughout the years, um, a couple of times with Indiana Elite and watched a lot of film, it always seemed like he was really talented, um, but I didn't understand necessarily why he was ranked as highly as I do. And, you know, I, I don't question necessarily the guys who are doing the rankings. They have the reasons for everything. But I just think sometimes the talent never met the production, and that's exactly what we saw uh, at IU. So I agree with you. I think he needs to probably move down a level and go somewhere where he's going to get an opportunity and find a coach that believes in him. And, you know, the worst thing for him would be to go to another Power 5 school and sit on the bench because that's that really is not going to do anything for his development. Yeah, I agree totally. Texter on the Thornton's text line says, I hope Lander goes to Iona. Patino will bring out his talent. I'd, I'd like to see that as well, so we'll see what happens for Christian Lander. All right, staying with the transfer portal, but instead of players exiting IU, let's talk about players that potentially may come to Indiana. Dexter mm -hmm. Dennis was at IU a few days ago earlier this week for an official visit. He's a four-year player from Wichita State. And Sean McNeil, it looks like, is going to visit the IU campus soon. He's a guard and a pretty good shooter from West Virginia. I know that you've probably only seen bits and pieces of those guys as far as who they are as players. And when you saw them back during the season, you maybe never thought how they fit into Indiana. But if you've got to take one of those two guys, because we know no matter what happens with Trace and other players, Indiana's scholarship availability for next season is very, very thin right now. Uh, who do you take and why between Dennis and McNeil? Well, I've actually seen Dennis play in person. It was back when he was a freshman. They played at Indiana in the NIT, and I remember being super impressed with him as a guy with a lot of potential. I think he scored 17 points, and they beat Indiana. 
haven't followed his career closely since then, but I think when you read about what he can bring from a defensive perspective, to me he sounds like a better fit for what Indiana does as a team and as a system. Now McNeil's a better shooter, um, but uh, I would lean towards Dennis. You know, he's not a uh, maybe as high a percentage shooter as you like, but it's not like he's incapable of making perimeter shots, and I think he fits in a little bit better from what Mike Woodson wants to do uh, from a defensive perspective. So I would lean that way, but I don't think you could really go wrong uh, with either one uh, if they were able to land them. My question kind of becomes if Trace Jackson Davis comes back, which certainly seems possible at this point. The door's been left open. He's said nothing definitively about moving on uh, to the next level. Where's the scholarship going to come from if – somebody or multiple somebodies want to come in uh you kind of look at the roster and the guys that have left uh they've kind of trimmed i guess what you would say is uh, i don't want to say the fat off the roster but the guys that maybe you wouldn't have wanted back uh are kind of gone uh, so at this point uh if trace comes back and, and somebody uh else wants to come in uh the numbers say that somebody's gonna have to go and you know, I've never been one to speculate, but uh, it'll be an interesting scenario if that comes to fruition. Uh, you know, if, if a guy commits right now, um, you know, they're at that point they're over if Trace comes back, and and that means somebody would have to uh, to move on, and and that's kind of what makes this a fascinating time. We, we'll, I guess, have our answer by the end of May, but it definitely feels like uh, we've got you know several weeks more of, of speculation and figuring this out. And this is why the coaches are um, probably a little bit more stressed out than usual this time of year. As I mentioned, they're getting ready to go out for the second evaluation period. And they've also got guys that are coming on visits right now from the transfer portal and trying to figure out who's actually going to be on the team next year. It's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough thing to do. And, and a, a definite adjustment from, from what uh, was done in the past, but for Mike Woodson, not much of an adjustment, right? Because when he came into college basketball as a coach, the portal was kind of the same way as it was, as it is. He's only been here a year, so he probably doesn't know any different. He's kind of rolling with the punches, but a coach like Jay Wright, maybe not so much. All right, uh, Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guess. Good stuff so far. And, Alex, uh, I think one of the big things we haven't uh, spoke about today so far is Malik Renault, who committed to IU earlier this week, big 2022 prospect. Uh, obviously a huge get that goes without saying especially this late in the recruiting process and with a change in coaches at Florida uh, that allowed Malik to reopen his recruitment but uh, I just want your thoughts on this this is obviously a big big deal for Indiana Uh, it boosts them to the best recruiting class in the Big Ten Conference and Malik sure seems like a player that is by all accounts capable of coming in and contributing out of the gate next season as a freshman. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a top 30 player, depending on where you look, top 25 in the rankings. Uh, You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to come in and have a huge impact. But, you know, if you can get the highly ranked players, obviously they're ranked there for a reason. And you take them and you like your chances long term of them developing into really good players the track record of guys being ranked that high and going on to the NBA and at least being really productive college players is high. I, you know, I think, you know, just from talking to him the other day, it was actually the first time I talked to him and um, Indiana obviously did some work with him back in the fall, but 
from what he told me, they came in a little bit late in the progress process, but Kenya Hunter really built a strong relationship in a short period of time. And he was able to, Kenya Hunter was able to use that uh, relationship that they did build back in the fall. It's kind of a jumping off point to get back in the mix here. And, and Malik even said, uh, I didn't visit back in the fall, but after this visit now, I'm kind of, you know, glad that it, that it worked out the way I did. And he said he should have taken the visit back in the fall. So that's kind of how much he liked what he saw at Indiana and the, the potential of, of what could be. Uh, the question I have kind of in my mind, like going into next season, he's obviously going to be a talented player that, that gets some minutes from the get-go. Don't know if he'll come in and start or play 30 minutes a game, but how this front court all is going to fit together next season if Trace comes back, because you're looking at, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, potentially Race Thompson, Malik, and Jordan Geronimo. That's pretty depth, pretty pretty deep front court and, and a lot of talent up there. But how's that all going to fit together? Uh, I think is going to be something for the, the coaching staff uh, to figure out. But I think it's a terrific get this late in the, the process. Uh, for Indiana, uh, did something similar last spring with, with Tamar Bates reopening after Shaka Smart left uh, Texas, and Bates obviously was up and down as a freshman, so that kind of shows you, you don't necessarily know for sure what you're going to get uh, in a situation like this, but you know, I'd rather have a guy that's ranked in the top 30 than a guy who's not ranked or not wanted by other uh, top schools around the country. Alex, final question for you, final topic for you. Uh, the Big Ten Conference announced yesterday that uh, the men's basketball tournament will be in Chicago in 2023 at the United Center, which uh, I think is a good place for the tournament. There in Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis make a lot of sense, not just for Indiana-Purdue fans, but for Big Ten fans and schools that have been kind of the heartbeat of the conference now for many years. Uh, but in 2024, the tournament for the first time ever is going to be played in Minneapolis at the Target Center that surprised me a little bit, as did a few years ago the conference tournament being played out on the East Coast. Were you surprised to see uh, Minneapolis as a future site of the Big Ten tournament and your thoughts on that? A little bit surprised, uh, although Kevin Warren, if you listen to what he said, I think last season when he talked about it, maybe at Big Ten Media Day they had asked him about uh, what was going to happen going forward with the the site and you know they always going back to Jim Delaney uh talked about moving this event around and having uh different venues where they could have it um I mean DC and New York made more sense to me um bigger markets um you know obviously going to the east coast um New York was you know a one I think a one time deal just being able to play that in Madison Square Garden was an exceptional uh, opportunity for the league, even though they had to move the conference tournament up a week. Uh, and in DC too, I mean, you got Maryland there, and you've got some other schools that are in close proximity. Min- Minneapolis uh, in early March, don't don't really like uh, like it as much. Not easy to get to for a lot of Big Ten schools. Uh, you've got potential situation where it can be uh, really cold there, and, and not a great place to visit that time of year. And I, I just, to me. Uh, and people are going to say, well, he's an Indiana guy or whatever. He covers IU. Of course, he wants it in Indianapolis. But that's not, to me, is, is like this is Indianapolis is the best place to have it. 
Uh, I realized there were some scheduling conflicts with Gamebridge Fieldhouse that maybe prevented it, but I'd rather have it at Lucas Oil if I could than some of these other places. And even Chicago, to me, makes more sense. So hopefully this is just a one-time deal. Uh, I, d- I definitely don't want to see a situation where the Big Ten tournament's being played in Minneapolis or Detroit or Omaha. I mean, just all over the place. I think it makes sense to try to find the best place to have it and have it there as much as possible. And to me, the best place to have it is Indianapolis. So that's what I'd like to see uh, the most uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Alex, I, I don't expect a long answer here. We're up against a commercial break, but someone texted me and said, please ask Alex, Kenya Hunter, who's done so much for this program, specifically from a recruiting standpoint, is he going to be a candidate soon, maybe next off season for his own program, his own head coaching opportunity? I could definitely see it happening. Well-respected in the business, has done a lot. Um, Recruiting-wise at Indiana, great at building relationships. You talk to people uh, that know the game of basketball, and they they think he's going to be somebody that can definitely do that uh, here in the the near future. So I'd like to see him get an opportunity. I think that's a good thing for a program. If If you're building your assistant coaches up, and, and getting them opportunities at other programs, I think that's a really good thing. So I think for Indiana, it would be a positive thing if, if him or Gassier or, or anybody on the staff is able to leave uh, for better uh, uh, opportunities. I think that's only a, a positive moving forward for the program. Absolutely. Alex Bozich, Inside the Hall. You can visit the website, insidethehall.com. Lots of great content since the season has come to a close here in this busy off season for the Hoosiers. Alex, thank you. We'll talk with you next week. All right. Thanks, Matt. We'll head to a commercial break, come back with a quick final segment here on this Thursday program. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Thursday program. Final quick segment as we wrap things up. One other local note to pass along. Lots of college commitments this time of year, even from our local high school athletes. And Cole Harrett, who is a senior at Floyd Central after a good basketball career for the Highlanders, announced last night that he's going to play in college at Hanover. So another local going to Coach Miller's program uh, up in Hanover, Isaac Hibbard and uh, others uh, have uh, have uh, Noah Williams, is who I'm thinking of from Christian Academy, have been big contributors the last few years, and those are just the most recent guys. So congratulations to Cole Harrett on his commitment to Hanover last night where he will continue his college basketball career next season. And that's going to wrap things up for this Thursday program. I'll be back with you Friday at 11 a.m. We've got a big show, Dylan Wallace, sports editor, of the Seymour Tribune, Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, and more on our Friday program. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available at Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. Have a great Thursday. Back tomorrow, this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.